Hello and welcome to the Mixed Feelings podcast with me, Jonathan Phelan. This is a collection of stories designed to help you take control of how you feel and to strengthen your resilience so that you can perform to your best, even in challenging environments. These stories include a series of coaching exercises that you can work through so that you can achieve that goal of strengthening your personal resilience. You can follow the coaching exercises through my book called Being You, which you'll find on the evenhood.org website and other online bookstores, including Amazon. My stories also show you the benefits of building a culture of evenhood around you, where everyone is encouraged to be themselves, and they feel valued for who they are. This is the fifth of my stories of evenhood. It's called Theo, and it will give you an insight into my own journey through life and my motivation to promote a culture of evenhood as being a far better way for people to live together compared to setting an expectation that people fit in. Theo is the name of the first child that my wife and I were expecting but who was sadly stillborn. I'm not going to tell Theo's story in any detail because this podcast isn't about baby loss. It's about resilience. And the relevance of Theo's story to the subject of resilience is that I experienced what life is like when it throws something awful at you. And more to the point, I experienced what life is like when you feel like you need to fit in. For four years after Theo's death, I worked hard to fit in to my workplace. While people knew about the bereavement, I said nothing about the impact of it on me. I said nothing about my sense of personal resilience and my struggles and the day-to-day challenges I had of reliving the trauma of Theo's death and of the fear I developed of new traumatic experiences coming my way. By the end of that four-year period, I was on my knees with exhaustion, finding myself each workday morning donning my suit and spending the day acting the role and being the person I was expected to be. And let me tell you about the impact of this on me, my performance and how I was assessed for my contribution at work. The impact was this. Nothing. Nothing bad happened. I had masked my trauma successfully. I had compensated for my personal challenges so that no one was any the wiser. And during that four years, I was appraised well, paid well, thanked, valued and rewarded. I was even given a new and exciting leadership role. Masking our differences. Compensating for our differences. These are the tricks of the trade that those who are different use frequently at work, school or university. In our clubs, societies and social groups, even at home with friends and family. And it often works well for everyone else 
but not for us. It didn't work well for me, because masking and compensating for our differences is bloody hard work. It drains us. And personally, I feel that it's so wrong for society and culture to implicitly or explicitly require people to fit in, to conform by being the sort of person that they're expected to be. This cultural failure to accept people for their differences is a failure of society that, in my view, can only be fixed by developing a culture of evenhood. Evenhood is a culture in which people can be themselves. Indeed, they're encouraged to be themselves, and they're valued for who they are. And there's more to my story of Theo, because by the end of that four years, I decided that enough was enough. I'd exhausted myself by working hard to fit in. I now wanted to out myself and get support for the trauma that I'd suffered, and so I talked about it at home, at work, to friends and family. And I got professional support too. And my experience at this point really drove home and cemented my insistence that we need a cultural change to sort out society's awful insistence that people fit in. Because what I should be saying at this point is something that exclaims what a fool I'd been for bottling up all that time, because as soon as I spoke up, I received just the sort of support I needed. But I don't say that, because it's not the case. The reality of my situation, the reality of simply talking about the traumatic impact on me of the death of a child, was that I learned two enormous things about privilege and about prejudice. Before this point in my life, I'd have said this. I'd have said that prejudice is something overt and obvious. I'd have said that prejudice is about visible occasions of abuse, violence, angry words, belittling behaviour, and so on. Of privilege, before this point in my life, I'd have said that privilege is that thing in life when you get a boost without putting in the effort. So privilege is like getting put higher on the ladder of life that you're climbing, without actually making the effort to climb, without merit, without earning the right to be on a higher rung of the ladder. My understanding of prejudice and privilege changed radically once I opened up about my own challenges following the traumatic experience of Theo's death. Because after this point, I realised that prejudice can and usually is covert. Prejudice can be done behind closed doors, in private. It can be done with intellectual subtlety, a dismissive tone, ignoring someone's presence or input, not giving them an opportunity, or not giving them credit. It can involve manoeuvring and manipulation, and this kind of prejudice is equally grotesque and equally vicious as the more obvious sort of prejudice that people get from unkind words, abuse and violence. 
Indeed, you end up thinking that at least the unkind words, abuse and violence are honest. At least people are then open about saying that they dislike you because you're different. The subtle type of prejudice has that evil sting of deniability. The sense that it could be a misperception or a misunderstanding. Yet, on a sustained basis, it is real. And it is unacceptable that anyone feels the pain of prejudice just because they are different in some way. And I learned something about privilege too. By this point in my life, I'd have said I wasn't privileged. I'd climbed every step of my ladder of life myself. No bunks up or missing rungs for me. But I'd missed the point. I was in fact supremely privileged. Because up until this point in my life, no one had tried to knock me off my ladder. Now that's a privilege. I'd been able to get through my school, university, home and work life without any serious attempt by someone else to knock me off my ladder of life just because they didn't like me because I was different to them. At this point in my life, I came to realise how privileged you are if you can climb that ladder of life without someone trying to knock you off just because you're different to them. And so, at this point in my life, I realised how privileged I had been and how unacceptable it is that society tolerates the way in which people are frequently knocked off their ladder of life simply because they are different to the dominant norm. What I hope that you learn from this story is that we need a new cultural norm. We need to move away from a culture that judges people based on how closely they fit. We need to realise that cultural norms are set by a dominant few whose approach to life is to say people should be like me. And I believe that the new cultural norm we need is a culture of evenhood, where people are encouraged to be themselves and they are valued for who they are. What I'd like you to do is to learn how to create this culture of evenhood around you. So in our next story of evenhood, called The Fisher King, we're going to learn how to do just that. We'll explore how incredibly simple it is to have a mindset and a culture based in evenhood, and how easy it is to support yourself and provide support to others, so that you and they can remain resilient. So easy, in fact, that even a fool can do it. Do keep going on this journey of discovery by listening to more of my stories of evenhood on the Mixed Feelings podcast.